Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of The Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... Ryan. Glenn. And John. <clears throat> so, uh, a little bit of a note here. Uh, last week... <laughs> you may have heard that sound, thump, as well as another thump, week. Thump, thump. <laughs> We've been having some a bit of some uh, issues. We switched over uh, programs we record on. Uh, it has been kind of us getting used to a couple of things, including a metronome that sometimes I forget to click. That, off that's what on. helped Morgan Freeman go to sleep in seven. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, how's that possible? Like, <laughs> well, it's it's meant to have you keep time. It's a rhythm thing. I know. How does that help you go to sleep? I mean, it's kind of fucking sheep. It's kind of like white noise or counting. It just calmed him down. Like, he like, he, he had a he he had a rough night. We needed it to focus on such you know important topics. Yeah, and discussions that we have on here. That's right. That's why we did it. It was on purpose. It was intentional. It was deliberate. We knew what we did. If you don't understand it, you just don't get it. No. I don't get it. It's like the tree of life. You or, just don't. Or just... a robot turns into a bird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't get it. Couldn't I'd... it be like a skyscraper? <laughs> so the robot turns into a bird. A big bug. What, what an insight. This doesn't happen. <laughs> Different just, sizes. You don't just walk into a podcast and say bug. <laughs> Unless you're reviewing Starship Troopers. <laughs> Those bugs whacked us. <laughs> Rico's Roughnecks. Have you you guys ever read the book? Starship Troopers? I heard it's actually a good book. It's an well, excellent. Well, book. I know a lot of like oh, so mili- military people, they like swear by that book. So yeah. let me all right, so you've read it. I have. So what's the the glaring difference between the book and the movie? There's gotta be a lot. No comedy whatsoever. Really? It is like the Well the book is basically um Robert Heinlein, he wrote like Stranger in a Strange Land, that really good sci-fi writer. And he was very kind of like almost libertarian, and the kind of the conceit of the book is that in order to have the rights of a citizen, you should be able to defend things. So that it was compulsory military service. It's ridiculously serious, and you get to watch Rico go through all the different. I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff with uh, Denise Richards and whatnot is not in it. Really <laughs> Let's all. make a vow. It follows Rico through all of the training and all yeah. of the. Yeah, and I mean, it, but. It, in the Starship Troopers movie, I mean, you say you know it doesn't have any of the comedy. The comedy, I don't think, was intentional. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it wasn't deliberate. It was just well, I don't know. It might have been. I think it was a little tongue in cheek. Like because was didn't Paul Verhoeven direct it? Yeah, it was inspired kind of by RoboCop, where there was yeah. that satire element of it. Right. I mean, NPH was dressed like a Nazi at the end. And, and Jake Busey's just in the movie I mean, playing that neon violin. Yeah. yeah. And and what was up with all the white people from Argentina? Well, they didn't cry for them. I, I don't understand that. That's just like how. Well, I mean, Argentina—they're not like—they're not—they don't look that—they're not dark, that dark skinned I mean, look at you know Messi. I mean, there's, that's what Argentinians look like. But like those, the actors were all white people, and they all have like Hispanic names, like Carmen Ibanez and yeah. Johnny Rico, and it's like it's a bunch of white people pretending to be Hispanic. What the hell's going on there? Well, it's Casper Van Dien. He has range, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can pull off anything. He was pretty good in Sleepy Hollow. I liked him in Sleepy Hollow. He's Hall. like a chameleon. Always a lizard. <laughs> that was a, that There's was your a, title, right? <laughs> that was a Tracy Morgan quote. No, Always a lizard. I can't change. Always <laughs> a lizard. Yeah, that was Tracy Jordan from 30 Rock. I didn't just make that up. That, that along with uh, when they told him that the guy who invented Pac-Man died, <laughs> was the greatest response ever. He said, oh, uh, that is so sad. I'm going to go home and have a bowl of cherries and some ghost meat in his honor. <laughs> <laughs> Where would one find ghost meat? I don't know. So we've got some stuff to talk about today. Um, the first of which is, I'm so upset that I get to watch the, the episode of this, but uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Midge is back. third season yeah. premiere. That's right. The um, 
Oh, I've just watched the first episode. So have I. That's all I've watched. It was called Strike Up the Band. Yeah. Um, you want to go? Right? Yeah. I just mean, it, don't it, go into spoilers. Because no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we I am on episode it, it just, five, it, season two. It picks up right where the last season like, left off. Like the same scene, yeah, almost. Pretty much the same scene where it left off, and um, it's just. Just basically a continuation. I mean, there's nothing really brand. There's no. I mean, she's, no, uh, she's no, new, doing, no new major characters right. or anything. I mean, the whole p- plot of I'm not sure if this is going to go into the rest of the season, but she's doing a USO show. Yeah. And um, you know, she's still um, opening for the um, the Shy Baldwin. Shy Baldwin, yeah. which and you know his little singers and it, the USO show stuff was really funny. Yeah. And you know, there's some funny stuff with Lenny Bruce and all the the parents. Yeah. But, um, this show's amazing. Like Rachel Brosnahan, this she's just perfect as this in, in this role. My yeah. only complaint about the show is sometimes I find the dialogue is too fast. <clears throat> That's the writing style of Amy Sherman Palladino. That was what you got a lot in Gilmore Girls. And right. It's that fast-paced kind of dialogue. I find it's, it. It reminds me a lot, of, actually, of Aaron Sorkin dialogue too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I find it a lot more with like. Um, uh, Midge's agent when she's on, like on the phone trying to set up mm-hmm. gigs and stuff like she's just talking so fast and saying funny things but you got to really pay attention yeah and well, she's, she's got that Lois Griffin yeah and, and I don't have a good attention span so you got to talk slow there, there's some funny stuff with her in this yeah the, the, all the stuff in, in the barracks yeah. that's well, pretty, fu- Ryan, pretty funny Ryan now that you've gotten to the Catskills mm-hmm. you know tell us your favorite part of the Catskills um it's definitely um Midge's dad and all of his calisthenics his freaking religious like planning of things like I was cracking up when he was playing shuffleboard with that guy and he was like calculating like I think there's like a, a dent in the board that wasn't there the other day and it's just, it's whole, it's the little things about all the characters Abe might be one of my favorite characters and oh, Kev, oh, Kevin Pollock like yeah. screaming on two phones <laughs> and he's like you know people come here to relax and shit it, it was it's uh, a show I think people like you know I think would be hard to describe to them to get them into it. Yeah, you kind of just gotta put it on and say, "What are you watching?" and then just let them watch it. I do have to say though, this this show compared to Gilmore Girls, first of all, it has the ability to curse and whatnot in it. Compared to Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls was more just about this mother and daughter and their kind of adventures. This more has a, a, a bent of it's following someone's. Oh, it's more of an well, yeah, it's more of an ensemble. <clears throat> well, I mean, no, yeah. no, Gilmore Girls was an ensemble. I, I just think that this one has more of a. There's a direction that's a that's a firm. The yeah. story's got to go. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's true. Following her <clears throat> through yeah whatever happens. Yeah, right. I, I can't wait to watch this. Season. Right, and I think we we looked it up because we were kind of curious. Season three, it's uh, 1960, so that's where we're at right now. So Whoa, we're three years away from baby getting put in a corner. Oh, there's your shared universe right there. there. <clears throat> um, the Mandalorian. You guys have watched the last episode. I have not. Okay, this was episode five, so we got three left. I mean, is it, is it weird that like I feel like every episode gets better than the one before it? You're you're in the minority for this last one. A lot of people complained about this last what one. What were their complaints? All right, so you know, um, if you're talking in video game terms, which some people do when they discuss the Mandalorian, the the past two episodes people are comparing as side quests, like. Mandalorians. What's wrong with that? I don't think there's much wrong with it. I think just people were kind of weirded out that there was two back to back instead of like, you know, if you know he he went on his little side quest to um you know with the uh, Cara Dune and then well, I mean they had me with the fact that he went to Tatooine. Tatooine, yeah, me too. I was in. I was in. As, as soon as I saw that red little planet. Mm. Yeah, I mean I was in at that point, and the pit droids. Yeah. Had me cracking up and. 
They, there was a lot of homage in this one that worked very well, and this one was written and directed by Dave Filoni. So, um, and obviously, where the Mandalorian meets that guy, that's the same scene exactly where see? McClunky happens. Exactly. That's why I mean I don't see how. Well, and I mean little things like, which I guess this really isn't gonna, like when he goes to the to, to the to the bar and remember in A New Hope, it's you know we don't serve droids there, and now droids run the whole thing. So uh, stuff like that was funny. I didn't Progress. even I didn't pick up on that. You're yeah. right, but uh, yeah, <laughs> so, but it. Yeah, all the tattling, which I'm I mean, not going to... All the people probably got murdered. Okay. Right. <laughs> and then this one was the first one that had, like, a, a stinger at the end, which a lot of people are theorizing about, which... I yeah, mean, I haven't had it spoiled for me. I mean, there's no way to spoil it. No no, it doesn't really... It's just... You just see a pair of feet. Yeah, you see a pair and, of feet, and just people are speculating on who it might be. Well, it, it's because of a sound you hear that accompanies it, but... I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be anybody spectacular. I think it's going to be some character we don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, we haven't actually met the main villain yet because the main villain is um, Joe Carl Esposito. Right, he plays um, Moff Gideon, I think. Well, he's it's probably him. him then. But I mean, it, there's that, only like three episodes left. Right, it's got to well, be him soon. Although I, I don't know, I think just because of the location and the fact that it's Dave Filoni, I think they might be setting something up for like a big surprise at the during the finale, where it, it might. I think it's going to be a character that we're. We've been waiting for, but we'll see. We don't really know yet. Hmm. But Speaking of, we'll see. <clears throat> Perfect segue, Ryan. Um, I try. The first uh, Apple TV Plus show that has completed its season, besides Dickinson, because they released the entire season from the outset, <clears throat> has been C. And C's the one that, because I knew it was going to be ending first, I was trying to follow it sort of religiously. And this is the one that I'm kind of... Uh, if I had to evangelize someone to this service, this would be the show that I would recommend because it gets better every episode. And <clears throat> part of it's the world building. I was discussing this with someone at work today, but like when I first heard the concept at the the, the big announcement, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then I saw the trailer, and I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. And then I saw the first episode, I'm like, oh, really good ideas. And then I just kind of kept watching, and it got better and better <clears throat> and better. So does the Apple thing, do they release like... <laughs> One episode a week, or um, with the exception of Dickinson, yes, it's been one episode a week. Dickinson What's... was was all ten episodes first. Why did they just do that one show <clears throat> like that? Or do well, you know? I mean, if I had to guess, it's partially kind of like Disney Plus. There's not an overwhelming amount of shows, and you don't want to spend them all. If you want to get someone to pay for something without a trial for a full year, then you have to kind of sparse. The I get that with Apple, but Disney's got. I mean, yeah, their show content, new content is limited, but they've, I mean, the vault and everything they've got in there. But yeah, at a certain point, though, paying six bucks a month, seven bucks a month for something that just for the vault aspect of it, you can turn it on and turn it off. Right, yeah. So for them to consistently get content, they need to, they, that's why they're releasing it an episode a week, so you stay on. So The Mandalorian, like, if you're watching that show, they've got you in for... I think that's definitely the main reason people are hooked <clears> Oh, that. definitely. So, you think... C is the main show that's got people hooked into well, Apple TV? As of today, uh, you know, we'll talk about it in the Golden Globes, but they, they had their first nomination. Oh, yeah, that was Golden the morning Globe, show. The morning show. Yeah. Which I've only seen the first episode, and it was good. It's, it's something I plan to go kind of back and get into, but C is the one where as many people as love Jason Momoa, um, I don't think we really gotten to see his, his the massive amount of range that he has. You and think this he has show, range? This show will make a believer out of you. I mean, he's, he's a. I like him. I just wonder about his. I've never. I, I would He's never. No, Casper Van Dien. No, I mean, <clears throat> who, who is? is? But uh, 
I never thought of him as someone with range. I mean, um, not that that's even a bad thing. No, I mean, no, like, like I, Arnold you know, Schwarzenegger doesn't really have that much range. I just admire the fact that Arnold knows what his best qualities are. It's like Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, thing. I mean, they they stay in their lane and stuff. So I mean, that's that's fine. I just never really thought well, of him as someone who could expand his abilities like that. The first episode, you get this concept, right? And everyone's blind, and there's these two kids that are born that can see. <clears throat> and the kind of power that that has. See, the, the way that they kind of went in and, and thought about how this would all work, because like, they'll be in an episode, I'm like, well, how would that happen? And then like they'll answer it for you. They, they've thought about it. Like, for example, the fact that like they don't use any like long-range weapons because how would they aim them or anything? So they use like melee weapons. And even the fighting style is a lot of grappling so that you can feel where you're going to test. So it's like close and dirty. Uh, <clears throat> and there was one, one character that brandishes a gun in it, and Baba Voss, who is Momoa's character, said, he, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm about to get you with, you know, the thing is, I know what a gun is. It's a, a weapon for uh, weapon for people that have no balls, because you can't get up close and kind of, and it, in the moment you think about it, you're like, damn, he's kind of, like, he have to be brave to know that that's coming and you're you're going after it. And it's just this weird, like, like the build up with everything, like, having these two kids that can see, and they age them up relatively quickly, um... It adds a different dynamic to it because there's half the people that think that, you know, they were punished by God for, you know, they're evil, so they should not be able to see. And any kind of people that can see are heretics. So there's this whole kind of one element of it. And the, one of the villains in it is probably one of the most compelling characters on the show. Um, he's a witch hunter because anyone who can see her <clears throat> is hunted. And his whole thing is about his dedication to the people of the city. Uh, and it's it, the character grows kind of over time, and it's the same thing with Jason Momoa's character. They're very much both about protecting their people, and him with these kids that aren't really his kids. And you kind of find it out in the first episode, uh, the level of protection he gives these kids. It's a, it's a, it's just a fascinating dynamic, and it culminated. This this final episode did a lot of bold things uh, throughout the season. They made a lot of decisions, like certain characters exited the show that I didn't expect to happen so quickly. And then certain things happen that set up this next season, and the world's going to expand in a massive way. So it really, like, the episode ended, and I'm like, when is season two coming out? So a couple mm-hmm. questions. Yes. How much is Apple TV? Four ninety nine a month. And you can just get, like, the app and watch yeah, it? It works on any Apple device. Just like Netflix and Hulu yeah. and all that? Oh, wait, it has to be an Apple device? Well, any Apple device, or, like, if you have, like, a Roku or an uh, Amazon Fire Stick or anything like that. What about if you have a Samsung? Um, yeah, you should. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's some sort of. I, they they haven't been. They weren't like stupid enough to think that they shouldn't put this on a lot of different things. And how many episodes was this season? Eight. Okay. Eight hour longs. Alright. Interesting. Um, moving on to films. Ryan, you watched a Marriage Story. Yeah, me too. And John did too. I don't know if I like the tone, guys. John, why don't you start this? Because uh, I'm so happy that I'm not the only one who saw it. It's um okay. It starts out with this this couple, and it it starts out with each one of them by themselves explaining all the things that they love about the other one in a letter. So it starts off like it's like sweet. And it's really sweet, and, you, and as each one is like kind of narrating, you're seeing the other one do these things that they're talking about, and it seems very sweet. And then the next thing you know, they're, they, you've realized that these are letters that they've, had to, they've been instructed to write as part of their trial separation counseling. And they're there, and Scarlett Johansson plays the, the wife, and Adam Driver plays the husband, and she's like, I don't want to read mine. And she, like, she, they don't even want to read it. And it's just, 
it's very intense, the whole breakup of this marriage. And it's very... It was very well done. I mean, it's... It's kind of even hard to explain without giving like anything. I mean, it's not like big surprises or anything in it, but I mean, it was just nothing in it seemed forced, and yet it was just very emotional and just very draining. And you can see how these people with very good intentions, how it can go so badly. And I was just I was very impressed with both of them, and Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson were both incredible in it. Had some good supporting uh, characters, and I mean, it's it was a very good movie. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna win some stuff. Wasn't it nominated for a few things? Yeah, it was. It got a few uh, Golden Globe nominations. Didn't, didn't it get the most nominations? I think it did. It got. I think it got. If I'm not mistaken, it got Best Picture nomination, Best Director, maybe Best Screenplay, and they both got Lead Actor. And this is on Netflix, right? Netflix, yeah. Well, was it released in theaters at all? No. Okay. So I. Well, you sure? I don't. I don't I'm, not, I'm not sure about that. The reason I'm asking is because, like, we go to the Oscar showcase every year, and I remember uh, that was at one issue where it was. It, yeah, they, they they won't show it at the Oscar showcase, but I think in order for it to get at least Oscar nominations, it needs to play in so many theaters in New well, York, maybe, LA, maybe, and maybe, Chicago. Yeah. So they might have put it in a handful yeah. of theaters. But I don't think it really. It might have come out at the same time in the theaters. Because I know because they played it at the New Orleans Film Festival here. Oh, at that, the I think yeah. they played it at the Britannia. They got one theater. Yeah. Yeah. So we can. Check one off. There you go. <clears throat> so, uh, rating? Man, um... Well, well what about you, buddy? Yeah. I'm so glad John saw this because uh, I really did not want to talk about this movie by myself. Um, I, if, if any of you guys followed my social media like stories, like I, I said this is the best movie of the year to me. Now, I'm speaking from a, a level of... It spoke to you personally. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah like scary um the thing about this movie is that like um i think when most people see like divorce films or just divorce in in, in kramer versus kramer or yeah just even if it's like not even the main story of a film that involves divorce in it it's like there's always it's it seems like it's very simple like okay mrs doubtfire yeah like this person cheated or this person is just did something and this is uh, what's what's scary and like real about this is that these are two people who um, they're both likable. They both uh, make choices that at the time that they make that they think they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, and it leads to horrible consequences for the other. And leads to another choice by that person, which has even more of an impact on the pre. Right. And it's like it's a it's a constant like. Ping and pong I found that, like, and they both make make decisions or choices that like they don't intend for it to be. They don't. They just don't even comprehend that it's negatively affecting the other person. And I feel like in a lot of the cases in the movie, the other person didn't even realize it was negatively affecting them at first. A perfect example of it, and it sounds very simple in the, in the concept of the movie, was that Adam Driver plays a director of this film um, Broadway. Production. Well, I'm sorry. It's not Broadway. It's a. It's a. Off Broadway. Off Broadway Playhouse. He's a director of it. And so he, he runs like a, a. They do plays, right? Yeah. 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 So like he gets the, the costume designer to create a costume for his kid for Halloween, and then when he goes out to Los Angeles to meet with his ex or soon to be ex, she informs him, "Oh well, you know, we've been living out here with my family, and you know, he wants to dress up as a ninja to go out with his cousins." And he's like, well, we already agreed on this. I had this costume made. You know, we're going to go as, he's going to be Frankenstein. I'm going to be the Invisible Man and all this different crap. And she's like, well, you're going to tell him he can't go with his cousins and all this thing. 
So now he has to do two separate Halloweens. So like the kid goes out with Scarlett Johansson and the cousins, and by the time he comes back, he doesn't want to go out. He's tired, and Adam Driver wants to have his Halloween with his son. And that whole scene of it's it's about five minutes of him just going out with his son, and his son is exhausted. And the way it's directed, it's like you can just see how the frustration is building. But yet Adam Driver's performance is so brilliant; he doesn't like overdo it. But then, like, there's little things like that through the whole freaking movie. That happens to both of them. Scarlett Johansson's character has the same thing happens to her. And then it leads to a moment that was startling in more ways than I can really verbalize where the characters are saying things to each other. They know they're wrong. They know they're mean. And they're realizing it as they say it. And they just, they can't stop. And they're just... Adam Driver has a moment of an emotional breakdown. And by the way, how about his singing? Yeah. There was this scene where he like he's in a bar and they're all hanging out and he like takes the microphone and starts singing and I was like, this dude's just doing it all in this movie. Yeah. Well, wasn't he in was it inside the well in Davis? Didn't was yeah. Adam Driver in that? Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah, um with, with Poe Dameron. Yeah. <laughs> I I uh this was hard to watch for me. Uh it's it's it was I, I've never seen a movie come so close to <coughs> What it's like to go through a divorce, um, just the the and the scary part about it is, is that when the movie starts, they both are in agreement. You know, there's no arguing. They both agree. Oh, let's just do it ourselves. Just all about the kid and everything. And then it just one choice leads to another, and it just turns to sheer freaking chaos. So that's I think that's largely due to the fact that you can know or accept something logically, but emotionally, it's a different issue altogether. Yeah. It's it, it's it's you're right, but it's in the movie. It's like it they do it to where like I can't even explain it. You have to experience this movie, and it's it's oh, I, I, it's based on your reviews. I plan on watching. It is beautifully yeah. tragic. It is. It's not overly long either. I mean, it's, it's like long. it's like just over two hours, like two hours and five minutes or something. Um, I am a hundred percent convinced that Adam Driver deserves and should win the Academy Award for Best Actor over Joaquin Phoenix because he gives. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's up there, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The reasons I will say is because he says so much in this film with his acting without speaking, just by his facial reactions yeah. and his emotionality and just. Things that, like, when he goes to sing this song in a bar, it's, the song just, you can feel what he's trying to resonate through the music. And yeah. it's just, it's a beautiful movie. I was blown the hell yeah. away. Uh, I would probably give it, like, a 9.8. Wow. I was going to give it about an 8.5. I mean, I was... It's got a really good supporting cast, too. Yeah, Laura Dern's probably going to get a Best Supporting yeah. Actress nomination. Ray, Ray Liotta's in it. And he, Mr. Chantix? Yeah, and, he, and thank God. he just seemed kind of normal. Are you, are you sure it's Ray Liotta? Yeah, and yeah he just looked like Ray, he Ray actually, Liotta. He actually looked more like Ray Liotta than the commercials. Well, the commercials, he got replaced by an animated turkey. But, I mean, Alan Alda's in it. Wallace Shawn is in it. Alan Alda. Merritt Weaver's in it. Julie Haggerty from Airplane. You know, she, wow, she, yeah. she plays Carl Jansen's mom. Do you sure it was Alan Alda and not uh, Bill Hader doing an Alan Alda <laughs> yes. impression? Right. That is one like I love impressions that you didn't expect people to be able to actually do <laughs> yeah. impression of. I'd never that heard any. I'd never heard anybody do an Alan Alda impression before. Bill Hader nailed it. So I will say that if uh, anybody out there has had serious relationship problems or marriage issues, this is a movie they need to see. So you said Netflix, correct? Yep. Yeah. Now that you've given us your report on that movie, I see, what about what you, I see what you did there. The report. 
So Adam Driver is just this is Amazon. This one, right? Yeah, Amazon. I had uh, I seen trailers. Actually, it's for both. These. I saw trailers for both these movies like months ago, and I thought they looked really good. So the report is about um, Adam Driver goes to work. He attempts to go work for like a, a U.S. senator, and they tell him, you know, you're, you're really talented. We, we like what you're doing, but you don't have enough real world experience. Why don't you go work in intelligence and then come back and see us? So he goes back and he applies for a job in intelligence. He gets assigned to investigate the uh, enhanced interrogation techniques that the CIA was using against terrorist detainees. And, you know, I guess more famously was the waterboarding stuff. Oh, like in Guantanamo? Gu- Guantanamo. They don't actually mention specific locations, but that's mentioned in Abu Ghraib and all the different stuff. And it's astonishing the that this... It was basically like, you know, a couple U.S. contractors who... Had retired, and you know when 9/11 happened, everybody wanted to, to galvanize and do something. And these guys came up with this technique that they claimed was scientifically proven. This is going to get information, and the shit they ended up doing to these guys just you know made things worse. And uh, it like just those scenes in Zero Dark Thirty. The funny thing about it in this movie, there's a point where because it, the investigation goes on so long that Zero Dark Thirty is released as a motion picture, and actually oh in the movie they talk about they it? show them like watching the trailer for this movie being released oh. and stuff. So, um, that's clever. It's basically about how he's been working. Adam Driver's character has been working on this report for five years, gathering information, trying to get it released. And every time he reaches one step getting closer, the CIA either blocks it or amends it. And Annette Benning plays, like, I guess the senator who's sort of in charge of trying to, like, as the lead for his investigation. Um, it's a little bit more than two hours. Um, it's very, very entertaining in a very, just imagine Zero Dark Thirty, but more the scenes with like when she's in, in Washington. Because the way you were describing it, it almost seems something like all the president's men or. Without the reporter. Yeah, without the reporter. Yeah. yeah, it is very much like that. Or like the insider or something like that. And like. Adam Driver just gives another, like, I, I, I watched these two movies sort of back to back and just for him to give different, so performances that are so different, but yet. He's so good at, at subtly giving off emotions without actually losing his shit. Um, it's a really good movie. I would probably give the report like a, an 8.2 maybe. You know, it's... it's These oddly specific decimal points tonight. Glenn, yeah. Glenn was the one who started the decimal yeah. point specificity. 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 Does anyone does anyone see Annette Benning and then just immediately say, you're Annette Benning? I thought so. <laughs> um... No, it's 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 a very entertaining movie on Amazon. Um, I, I I would definitely recommend it. He's got another little low budget movie coming out in a couple of weeks. I think. It's based. It's a documentary about a, a war in space. It's a good thing he's bouncing back from that fucking zombie disaster movie that he did. Uh, how'd the song go? The the don't I don't remember how. That, <laughs> thank God. I'm glad. And when I'm, you say zombie disaster movie, you just mean the movie was a disaster. It was a disaster. Right? I'm so glad I'm forgetting things about that movie. Well, uh, both of those movies, you said you got inspired by watching the trailers for them. We have a bunch of trailers to talk about today. Some major ones too. Yeah, so let's uh, let's kind of start from from some of the more obscure ones. And what I mean by that is Ghostbusters. Well, it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes, right is the title of this movie. So this just came out today. We're recording on Monday. The trailer came out today. Uh, written and directed by Jason Reitman, yep. son of Ivan Reitman, who famously did the original. Um, the 
as much as I kind of enjoyed it, but the the female reboot didn't work, so they're going back to what does. I enjoyed the female reboot, and my thing is, and I enjoyed this trailer. I thought it looked good, but I love how all the the same people are like, oh, why do they have to redo it with with uh, with women? Are now loving this? And it's like, well, they're just redoing it with kids in this one. I mean, it's the, this one. It's, it's my, my problem with the women one was not that it was women. It was that that like they tried to make it where it was like not a sequel. But yet they had nods to the original throughout the yeah. whole movie. It was confusing. Right. The, the, the trailers sort of started with they saved the world 30 years ago, but then this is a reboot. They, yeah, but they don't acknowledge what happened, and then they, they and all show... The, all the actors show up as different yeah, parts. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. weird. They just... They, they, were, they were all over the place with it. It wasn't a bad movie, but... This, it was probably the best 3D I've ever seen in the yeah, theater. Yeah, with the, 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 the laser beams yeah. going through the letterbox. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would argue, too, this one similar to the Terminator franchise, uh, that insight that they had were basically like kids like, like kids aren't shown this by their parents necessarily. I think they show this one more than Terminator. Yeah. This tra- I don't know that this has the as much of a... This trailer, as much as I compared Terminator to it, this trailer gave out major vibes of Force Awakens, especially that first teaser trailer to Force Awakens. Because yeah. they got the kids talking about the myth of the Ghostbusters. And if you remember, that first Force Awakens trailer ends with the Millennium Falcon... And this ends with Ecto-1. So I'm so, assuming... So you think it's Egon's kids? It's or, gotta be, because Egon's kids would... Egon would keep the equipment. Right. And he's, the, and he's the only actor that's passed on. Right. And they, so, say, the, and they say the character's passed on. Right. And, and I think the rest of the three are gonna make cameos. Which, real quick, I just wanted to mention in the, in the Netflix documentary, The Movies That Made Us, when they talk about Ghostbusters, Ivan Reitman's one scene he really did not want in the movie was the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Really? It wasn't supposed to be Jagger Hoover. No, <laughs> he just wasn't believable. He, he, that he, is it, that he, is, he corrected it by making the Central Liberty. Walk. He he actually was talking about how he, he thought that was a stretch, but he said when they they showed the test film to audiences and all they had had done was the head of the Stay Puft Marshmallow. You know when you see it walking in the background, yeah. The audience went ape shit, and they were like, and he was like, well, I guess we got to go through with this. And like Dan Aykroyd and everybody was insistent that it was going to work, and he was against it. Which I thought was kind of interesting, yeah. but um, no, this trailer, like I said, Force Awakens, but then had definitely like Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, which I don't. I, yeah. I'm kind of <coughs> uncomfortable with that. It's like I, I would, I can see why. Like I, for me, it's like you don't have to try to mock, like or not mock, but like mimic certain things to make it hip. Ghostbusters was cool for the reasons it was cool, and if that's not still true, then I mean, it might just be the way the trailer was put together. It, it can't. See, they they may be trying to tap into the Stranger Things vibe, but the movie doesn't take place in the '80s, so no. it's not going to work. If that's I do, and I agree that it, like the Stranger Things type thing, but I, I find it funny that with the last thing we said that it was kind of compared to Stranger Things was it, it, and all three of those things star Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. He, yeah, he's oh, man. So may, maybe he's the vibe. All right, that, that's <laughs> he's the Stranger Things vibe. I thought Paul Rudd was kind of cool in the yeah. trailer as the teacher. When is he not? I mean, you're right, and he doesn't age. So. No, he probably. We talked about the '80s. Go back to the '80s. Paul Rudd probably looks exactly the same as he does. Early '90s and Clueless. Yeah. Rolling with the homies. Mulan. So, um. Next live action Disney, which this one I will say makes sense for them to do this one as a live. I action. think this looks like a better film for them to do than The Lion King. It makes, like, I think Agreed. film-wise... Well, it, because they're actually doing something different because it's not a musical. They're doing right. it like a straight-up, like, Last Samurai There's a lot of epic. magic in this one, right? Right. But why do, and the dragon's not in it. 
the dragon no the dragon's not uh, there's a sorceress but i really like the way that as i said the, it's not a musical but there are kind of um, like you, they tip the hat to the to the fa- to the famous songs from the first one because well i could say that too about aladdin too because aladdin's not a shot for shot remake and it's I'm not glad. they kept the vibe of the original the spirit of the original. that's what that was my favorite disney movie and i expect i was worried about that movie yeah a shot for shot remake didn't work for the lion king in my opinion no it didn't and i and i the I, again, kind of what I'm, the vibe we get from this trailer too is the same thing. It's like it, it looks like it's paying respect to the spirit of Mulan, but it's doing something a little bit different that makes more sense for a live action. I, I feel like from that trailer, I feel like they're taking the the essence of the animated film and taking it to another level with the fact mm-hmm. that they can do a live action version of it. I've never actually seen Mulan. It's it's actually really really good. It's a, it's a solid film. It's the one. It's one of those Disney movies you could actually see as a live action movie being made. At one point, I owned seventy copies of it, and then. That was a funny story. Oh, uh, so did I. You want to tell? I think so. so. It was when we worked at Blockbuster. We got remember the Titans came out, and it was like a million copies of that movie on the wall, and we had to take them all out of the original. A lot of time they came already in the the Blockbuster boxes, yeah. but sometimes we had to actually make the boxes and do that. So we got all these copies of Remember the Titans that we had to open the original copy and the original like box, and inside it was this thing for Disney movie points. The movie each points, one. and you could collect so many points and yep. get one of these movies that were on the list. So I just looked and saw which one of these movies on this list is worth the most amount of money here. And I, so I, I ordered seven, took those and I ordered seven copies of Milan. And I traded them in and it had like $300 worth of gift cards or nice. something. Or 250 something like that. I did the same thing. Yeah. We got a lot, I got a lot of DVDs with that. D- so. DVC heaven. <laughs> um, Black Widow. Chronolog- this was the first trailer to get released. I'm not a fan of this. I mean, it's very Jason Bourne. Um, my, my problem with it is, is her story's over. As far as I'm well, concerned. this, well, this movie yeah. it takes place right after the events of Civil War. Um, one thing that I will say that Marvel is pretty good at is they they're good at listening to their fans, and a lot of fans were kind of uncomfortable with the fact that Natasha didn't get any kind of memorial or funeral. Which so I'm wondering if this is going to have like a bookmark, kind of like... Or maybe some kind of way to bring her back. Oh, I don't way. think she's not coming back. You don't think so? I think they might be introduce a new Black Widow. Yeah, you, the the character she meets that she calls sister in the trailer in the comics is another Black Widow. Yeah, so I think there might be a new Black Widow. I'm but not, and Florence Pugh's like kind of up and coming. Yeah. So I'm wondering if the movie's either going to have a... Um, like a bookend, kind of like Captain America: The First Avenger did, or if it'll just end with them doing some sort of memorial for. I'm not honestly. I'm not the slightest bit interested in this movie. Well, the trailer I, wasn't bad, but it's like no. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, but the, I kind of agree with you. I think in terms of like the story, like you know where it ends. It doesn't like you can still like do a story about the journey and make it compelling. Um, I just think that this movie was a little bit later than it should have been. I think that it should have been 2013. Marvel, You're right. Captain Marvel should have been Black Widow's movie, but um. The trailer's not bad. I just feel like it's... And I will say for an MCU movie, kind of light on the special effects. Like, they're going full-on, like... Action, yeah. yeah, action, Jason Bourne I do wish fighting they style. would do something different with the Taskmaster, but other than that... Well, I mean, he's... We've got, like, what, one a one-second shot of him in, in yeah, this? Yeah, it's... There's, there's literally, like, they could... They, a bunch of people kind of, like, that are comics fans are kind of going a little bit, uh... Like, look, they could just tweak this here, and, the, and it would have been fine. So, you know... But yeah, that's the, that's the only complaint that I had other than that it looks entertaining. I really like David Harbour in this trailer. As Was it Red Guardian? Is that his name? Uh, following from one female comic book character to the other, Wonder Woman 84. Yes. 1984. This looks uh, like 
I love this trailer. Like I this liked, trailer had me pumped. It, it, it expanded on the original. It was bright and colorful. The original one was kind of you know grounded. The eighties music was really yeah the eighties yeah. music and I love. I mean uh, I'm intrigued with this one. This was like this was a very good trailer. Um, got me in like curious about why, what, why is Steve Trevor? Yeah, I mean like a lot a lot of questions. Yeah. Got and to it, see. it seemed like they kind of plant the seeds for it in the trailer. Enough to make you go, okay, I want to find out more yeah. without giving anything away. Right. Pedro Pascal right, yeah. is the villain. Because it almost seems like the um, tables are turning. He's the person out of time This yeah. in this one. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what's going on with that. It almost seems like the it's something the villain did. So. And I, I like, too, that they kind of they're keeping it in line with the universe because she's supposed to have not been around all this time. And they show her in the trailer like she destroys security footage and whatnot. Right. So that she can't be caught, even though she's in a mall. But Robin Sparkles is probably playing. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, we get some, like, is it Kristen Wiig plays, Kristen Wiig is, is it Cheetah, Cheetah, right? Yeah, it's, uh, this is a movie I'm very excited for. Yeah. I, I can't stress that enough. It was actually a woman that I saw at work today. She had a, her, her baby carriage that she was pushing along. The covering for it was a Wonder Woman symbol, and I was like, oh, did you see the new trailer? She goes, no. Mm-hmm. So she immediately turned on, she's like, thank you so much for telling me about it. Yeah. Steve Trevor and his uh, members-only jacket. <laughs> and uh, the final trailer we're going to talk about today is one I'm very, very excited for. And I know you guys at the table, with the exception of probably Ryan, uh, 007. You're 100% right. No Time to Die. Now, this was... I love this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Not, um, not a fan of Daniel Craig as James Bond. Really? He's not bad. He's just not Bond to he's me. He's just drawn that way? He's just... I just feel like he's just doing a version of Jason Bourne. He's not doing James Bond. He's not here's, bad. Here's the he's he's, he's the saying. closest to the book. I don't care about Bond. the books. I care about Sean Connery and the tradition of the movies. Sir Ian Fleming would beg to differ. And that's fine. My opinion, I, I don't know the novels. I grew up on the movies. And I'm not saying, like, like Daniel Craig is great acting-wise. Like, Casino Royale is, you can make an argument, it's the best film of the Bond series. But it's just it, it doesn't have the fun. He he's taken all the fun out of the James Bond movies. I, I would th- I, I would disagree. You curmudgeon. There's, there's no comedy in Daniel well, Craig's performance. Well, I would say that it's get that they're starting to inject a little more it's humor. It's a little in it. better than it was. I think they had to do that because of Austin Powers. Actually, Austin Powers put a spotlight on a lot of the. But wasn't some of Pierce Brosnan's films out around the same time? As that? And those they, got kind of. They, they tend. That's that, that, what Glenn's about to say is true. They tend to spiral out of control as far as the humor goes, and you just hit the need to hit the reset button at right, one point. Right, and that's and I'm glad that they've kind of like the the humor that's even in Casino Royale. It's smarter humor. There's no humor control. in Casino Royale. Yes, there is. Like what? Um, I just want you to know that if all that was left of you was your little finger, I'd still love you. That's because you know what I could do with my little finger. That's not funny. Or like I'm thinking like more how's, like how's the lamb skewered? How's <laughs> you know? Uh, well, my, actually, you know what? My, my man, give me one of those two. Hold the fruit. No, the, the funniest line was, uh, "Would you like it shaken or stirred?" Does it look like a give it down? Yeah, that, that I did laugh at that. And I, I like the last one when the building collapses and he like lands on the um, on the on the sofa. I mean, they're they're starting oh, when, he, when he the train rips out from behind him and he fixes his cuff his cuff links. So I mean, he, it's getting there. Like I said, I just think they had to do the reset button because Austin Powers did such a great job putting a spotlight on a lot of the. Kind of, yeah. Which I mean, they're there. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, but that's largely from too the end of the Roger Moore era. Well, I'm ready to see where they go with the series now that Daniel Craig's done with it. 
It de- honestly, it depends largely on who gets cast next. You think yeah. so? I would hundred percent say that. That's that's going to determine because I think a lot of the times they, while they build around the character, they build around the actor too. Oh, absolutely. And, and whoever they choose as the next Bond, they're going to have to kind of write the universe around him or her or whatever they decide. Or her. There's all these things where people want it to be a woman. I like that the broadcast. No, said, it's James. It's a man. That's I'm. Well, I'm well, it's not a woman. Right. It's a man, baby. <laughs> well, there, there, there is a there is a female 007 right, in this film, it's, but it's not James yeah. Bond. Yeah, and right. apparently a lot of people were upset by that. I don't but give a crap if there's a yeah. woman like agent, but she just can't right. be James Bond. Right. right. So, what do y'all think about the first look at our old Rami Malek as a uh, Safine? I mean, this this kind he's, of was reminiscent to me of Javier Bardem. I can, a, uh, a little, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and it's I'm, I'm kind of okay with that because that's one of my favorite villains of the modern era. Right. Yeah. So, but I thought, yeah, this was a cool trailer. It comes out in uh, April, right? Yes. Kind of a, well, that's that's the and new beginning the, the, of something. We got yeah. one little one little shot of Blofeld. Yeah, I think that's probably all he's going to be in it. Right. Yeah, and this uh, this one's directed by um, uh, Carrie Fukunaga, the one that did uh, True Detective season one, did Ooh. this film. So that's nice. good shit. Yes. Well, now it is time to begin our discussion on the Golden Globe nominations, which came out today. Well, it's yes. not, I mean, the Golden Globes, yeah, but the Os- like the award seasons are starting. Like, right. Yeah. Um, what, uh, like, that Parasite movie won some big critic thing. I forgot what it was. Was it Was it New York Film Festival? New York or, or Toronto or something. Yeah. One of those things. So, like, the, the award shows are starting to come out. Yeah, um, yeah. Golden Globes is going to be, like, the first kind of larger one. They say it's like a precursor to the Oscar, but it I don't never think is. so. I will say when I met with a uh, Todd the other the other day, I don't know if Greg, I don't know if you were there yet, and he talked about it, he saw Parasite, and he said it was incredible. And I asked him, I was like, well, "What's it even about?" And he said, "I didn't really know what it was about beforehand, and it was better that way." So he's like, "Just go see it. Don't read about what it's about. Yeah, just go see it." That. Okay, okay so. I, don't, I don't know what it's about either. All I know it's from the guy that directed Snowpiercer, so I'm sure it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that was an uplifting yeah. movie, wasn't it? So I got all the nominations up. If y'all want me to start yeah. going, all right. Start with for television. Best performance by an actor in a musical or comedy. We have Michael Douglas in the Kaminsky Method, Bill Hader in Barry, Ben Platt in The Politician, Paul Rudd in Living with Yourself, and Rami Youssef in Rami. Um, that's going to be. I've seen about half of this. I've though. seen actually a couple of those. I watched a little bit of Rami. I wasn't that impressed with it. It was on Hulu. I think that'll probably be Bill Hader, maybe Michael Douglas. You don't think Paul Rudd sneaks in there? No. Okay. Um, He's already got his looks. He doesn't need a award. <laughs> his his mirror. That's his. He that's can't his have everything. That's why Bradley Cooper keeps not winning Oscars. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Speaking of Bradley Cooper, I saw this, and uh, he apparently, when he was on the tour for uh, *Stars Born*. Uh, he went to France, and I didn't know this, but like he t- he went to school in France for a bit, uh, and basically spoke no French when he went. And now he like he did this entire interview on French TV, and he took the earwig out and did it in French. He's from. And France. I was like, if if women didn't want to fuck him before, like I kind of want to fuck him now. It's kinda. He's a be- he's a beautiful man. <laughs> yeah. Get some quesadillas. Some quesadillas. <laughs> he needs to speak one other language. <laughs> But yeah, like I, I was, I was like, he does the whole thing, and I'm, he's like, "Oh, apologize for my French," and I'm like, "Motherfucker!" Like I'm learning it now. And pardon, that's... pardon my French. <laughs> Parlez-vous. <laughs> Parlez-vous. 
Right, so the next we have best performance by an actress, musical or comedy. We have Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, Rachel Brosnahan in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Kirsten Dunst in On Becoming a God in Central Florida, Natasha Leone in Russian Doll, I've and heard that's really good. Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Fleabag. That's really good. It'll be Miss Maisel. Or Phoebe Waller-Bridge. In my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if Christina Applegate pulled an upset. That'd be a major upset. I know a lot of people didn't think she'd even get nominated. But um, I think this is Rachel Ross. Have y'all seen Fleabag? I haven't. I've heard about it. Very good. What was what is that on? Amazon. 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 Well, I mean, she needs to start getting recognition. BBC show, though. BBC show. Yeah. Right. Well, and she's getting all her recognition for playing L three and solo. Yeah. All right. Next, we have best performance by an actor in a television series drama. We have Brian Cox in Secession. Kit Harrington of Game of Thrones. That's the stand where they sold the secessions. That's correct. Rami Malek and Mr. Robot. Tobias Menzies in The Crown. And Billy Porter in, is it Pose? Pose, yeah. So I guess the major point of this is that this is the only nomination for Game of Thrones. They snubbed it in everything else. Which is weird. Not because, I mean, I know the, the last season was divisive, but the Emmys like loved yeah. Game of Thrones' final season. Um and I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that it didn't get more like like acting well, stuff. I mean, the yeah, acting was fine. Yeah. Peter Dinklage didn't even get nominated. Yeah. Um, and it's just oh, it's just the dinks. it's just and, odd that they chose Kit Harrington to finally get and, the yeah. and I mean, well, this is Golden Globe, so that's the Hollywood Foreign Foreign Press. Mm-hmm. So I think this category goes to Brian Cox, even though I would like to see the guy from The Crown win. But everybody's been talking about. It. I haven't seen Succession. Like I haven't seen Secession, but everyone talks about how great it is. I hear it's very good. A lot of people like that Billy Porter guy, too, and Pose. But, um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think That's it was. That's an FX show, right? Yeah. I think, I'm, I'm thinking Brian Cox, too. Yeah. I love that dude. What is this, cookies? <laughs> Zodiac. Um, next, we have Best Performance by an Actress in a Drama. We have Jennifer Aniston in The Morning Show, Olivia Coleman in The Crown, it's Coleman, <laughs> Jodie Comer in Killing Eve. Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon in Big Little Lies. So, Olivia I would Coleman. Think, I would think Olivia Coleman, but it could be either one of them for Big, Big Little Lies. They might would, cancel each say, other out. I would say Nicole Kidman over Reese Witherspoon. I don't know, though. Killing Eve, from what I'm yeah, understanding. That wins is, lots of stuff. Yeah. The, the problem, That's actually written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I've never seen it. I mean, I, I just yeah. think if somebody is going to vote for Big Little Lies, this might split them. And then Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston are going against each other, and they're both in the morning show, so they might yeah. run into the same issue. Yeah. So, anyway, the next we have um, best performance by an actor in a limited series or motion picture made for television. We have Christopher Abbott for Catch Twenty Two, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Spy, Russell Crowe for The Loudest Voice, Jared Harris for Chernobyl, and Sam Rockwell for Fosse, 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 Verdon, Verdon, Verdon. Jared Harris. Jared Harris. You don't think Russell Crowe sneaks in? Jared Harris. Anything Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm picking. All right. Then we got um, the actress for um, this limited series. Uh, We have Caitlin Deaver for Unbelievable. Joey King for The Act. Helen Mirren for Kathleen the Great. Mariette Weaver for Unbelievable. And Michelle Williams for Fosse Verdon. I am actually leaning for the the, um, the chick from... uh, the Hulu show. The act? Yeah. You see, I think... I actually like Michelle Williams for this one. I think she's a very underrated she's, actress. Yeah. 
Although I don't know how much more you can call her underrated because it seems like every year she gets. Well, I I mean I can tell you, but she gets nominated every year. So every, she never wins. You're right, no. but I mean she's always like getting recognition. You think she, you think she'll finally get the Oscar for uh, Venom too? Her, her once in Manchester by the Sea, that one scene with her and Casey Affleck. Oh my god! That one scene got her the nomination. Yeah. Well, all right. Next we have best television limited series or motion picture made from television. We have Catch Twenty Two. Chernobyl, Fosse Verdon, The Loudest Voice, and Unbelievable. Chernobyl is one of the best shows of all time. It's it has to win. Has to. Has to. Okay. And now we got best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a series, limited series, or motion picture made for television. We have Patricia Arquette for the act, Helena Bonham Carter for the crown, Tony Collette. It doesn't say for what though. Um, yeah, Mar- I noticed that. Just in general. Like, yeah, just for Tony <laughs> just, Collette. Just for, her, for being her. Her general work of art. Yeah, yeah she was good in The Sixth Sense 20 years ago. <laughs> um, Meryl Streep for Big Little Lies and so Emily cool. Watson in Chernobyl. Why do I have a feeling Helena, Helena Bottom Carter's taking this? Because she's beautiful. And she's really good in The Crown. And as much as I like, I agree with you about Chernobyl, I feel like... um. She was Emily Watson. Emily Watson. She wasn't in it as much. No, and she kind of. I mean, that is a supporting role. But yeah. I wonder she, what Tony Collette is now. I bet you she plays somebody's mom. She always plays somebody's honestly, mom. Honestly, I would be surprised if Patricia Arquette wins this. For the act? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, with Carter. Um, I like her meat pies. <laughs> um, now we have the uh, actor in a supporting role. We have Alan Arkin for The Kaminsky Method, Kieran Culkin for Succession. Uh, Andrew Scott for Fleabag, Sel- Stellan Skarsgård for Chernobyl, and Henry Winkler for Barry. I who was the first one? Alan Arkin, The Kaminsky Method. I would lean towards him. I, I like I'll, Stellan Skarsgård. He's great, but I loved The Kaminsky Method. Just to go back to answer the question, um, she's nominated for uh, Tony Collette's nominated for Unbelievable. Oh. Whatever. Whatever you're reading, I read the same thing. It didn't yeah. have something by her name. No, that, that everything. Another article that I read, yeah. same thing. All right, best television series drama. We've got Big Little Lies, The Crown, Killing Eve, The Morning Show, and Secession. The Crown is my pick. What were they saying? Big Little Lies, The Crown, Killing Eve, The Morning Show, and Secession. I I got a feeling it could be Succession, but it's that's starting to become HBO's new yeah. new thing now. I would go with The Crown, but Succession, I, from what I, I hear, nothing but good things. And now we got the musical comedy. We have <laughs> Barry, Fleabag, The Comiskey Method, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and The Politician. I don't know what The Politician is exactly, but all the rest of them are excellent. I would pick Mrs. Maisel, but... I would pick Mrs. Maisel, but... But I, wouldn't be surprised, I would not be surprised if Barry took it. I think this Fleabag thing... People Fleabag like, won everything. Yeah. That's true, too. And you, you, you speak very highly of that. It is. It's really good. All right, now we go to movies. Yay. Best motion picture, musical, or comedy. So these are all musical comedies. My name is Dolomite. <laughs> that is, that's nominated. Oh, you damn right. So we got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, Rocket Man, and Dolomite is my name. Um, Apple pie eating they, they really need to get rid of the musical comedy thing. Mus- the musical should just go in whatever genre, it, it, whether it's a drama or... Because, I mean, so Rocket I, Man wasn't a comedy. No. It was Les a, Miz wasn't a comedy. I mean, it, The Martian was not a comedy. Right. No. I I personally want My Name is Dolomite to win, but I really think it'll be Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. You don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's got a shot? No, uh, I think everybody's really talking about Jojo Rabbit. Um, I, I honestly think Knives Out has a chance, too. I think so, too. A lot of people have mentioned it. It's a great writer and director. 
Anyway. Well, he's sitting right next to you. <laughs> His name is Greg. His name is Greg. My name is Ryan. All right, so now we got drama. My carrot juice. Motion picture drama. We have The Irishman, Marriage Story, 1917, Joker, and The Two Popes. So, a couple things with this. I haven't seen 1917. It hasn't opened ever. I don't really care about The Two Popes. One's enough. But my initial pick, obviously, is Marriage Story. I, I mean, I just... I've, we haven't uh, had a chance to see it, but the reviews I've read for 1917, I have a feeling this one. I, I, that's that's why I did pre- preface. However, that it. do you think 1917 might be more of an Oscar thing? Like this uh, is Hollywood that's a, foreign yeah, press. That's a good point, possibly. I mean, I'd have to see it. Yeah, and it, that's the one movie I think could actually take it. But I don't think Joker. I'm glad it's getting recognition, but I don't think it's going to get. I don't think it'll get best picture type no. stuff, but no. I think it'll get acting. I think it'll get. I think it'll get nominated for best picture for stuff. Do you think yeah, The Irishman think. takes us? Maybe. I hope not. As much as I love the movie, this needs to be a lesson to Martin Scorsese to edit movies better. <laughs> it's too fucking long. Now that you should see. That you should see. But, it, but it's cinema. Right? No, it's not. I watched some of it. You know. But, but right, it's cinema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not uh, when you put it on Netflix. But right, it's cinema. <laughs> You should start saying that like um, Stewie Griffin. But, but Ryan, it's cinema. <laughs> I say Ryan, it's cinema. <laughs> God bless him, he's seven. Um, foreign language film. That's a parasite, right? Yeah, that's yep. going to win, yeah. I don't. I saw they had some kind of weird rule. Where Is Les Mis, Les Mis well, they, they couldn't nominate Parasite for Best Picture because of some Hollywood foreign press rule. Oh. Because that's why it's not nominated for any of the Best Picture categories. Right. So next we have screenplay. We have Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, uh, Bong Jo Hoon for uh, Parasite, Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Steven Zalian for The Irishman. I need to see. Uh, I loved the screenplay for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, I need to see that that Parasite movie to know what the fuck's about. Right. But um, based on what I've seen. Um, as much as I love Marriage Story, that it had to be a perfect collaboration of the performances with the script. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I agree with you. Like that, that script was so unique just by itself. Right. So I would pick that, but I got to see Parasite to really make a decision. All right, we have Best Original Song, Beautiful Ghosts from Cats, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, Into the Unknown from Frozen Two, Spirit from The Lion King, and Stand Up from Harriet. I only know of the Lion King song, and I'm not impressed with it. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Frozen Two song. Yeah. I like that one. Um, best actor in a supporting role is Tom Hanks in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. Al Pacino in The Irishman. Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm torn. I Brad Pitt. I'm torn between Brad Pitt and Joe Pesci. Yeah. Do you find it weird Tom Hanks is in supporting when he's on the poster that, for all? But the... I didn't see the movie. But I've read a couple of reviews, and the reviews have said, "Don't think this movie is about Mr. Rogers. The movie is about the guy who's writing the article okay. about Mr. Rogers." Like, I'm, yeah, I'd like to see Brad Pitt win this one. I, and it's the guy Matthew Reese, right from um, yeah, from it, the Americans, and he's the main character of the movie. I'm a little sentimental to Joe Pesci, just because I'd love to see him going up there to get an award at his yeah. age. Mm-hmm. And we need him back. I want him making movies again. I wonder if he shows up to the ceremony. Oh, anyway, we got well, they, at the Golden Globes. They all sit at the little table. Right. Right? So it'll probably be all of all the Irishmen, Mar- Marty, Marty, and uh, yeah. You think they'll all be eating pasta and yeah, pasta fungal. Yeah, 
Uh, that just means pasta fuck. Uh, support, <laughs> supporting actress. We have Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell, which should have been... That, that would make a good name of a movie. That Kathy get, Bates and, and Richard Jewell. That didn't get anything. Oh, got Kathy Bates. Other than that, I'm going to talk about the movie. We I'm have, so intrigued by that. I really want to see it. Yeah. We have Annette Benning in The Report, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. I would pick Laura Dern. I mean, I haven't seen any of these, so I do like Laura Dern. Yeah. The ones I've seen in this are good. Laura Dern, she seemed like she was also kind of playing her character from Big Little Lies. A little bit, yeah. 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 She's going to nominate do you, think, do you think if she wins and she's not there, they send her stunt double from Jurassic Park? Up <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll, have, they'll have a log set right. up and <laughs> jump over. Oh. So realistic. Best actor in a musical or comedy. We have Daniel Craig for Knives Out, Roman Griffith Davis for Jojo Rabbit, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Taron Egerton for Rocket Man, and Eddie Murphy for Dolomite is my name. I mean, if you're asking me my personal I preference, Eddie I send Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy to that stage to get that award. I could see that. First I, of all, the telecast would be amazing. Although, watch out for the. That's the kid, right? Roman Griffith yeah. Davis. Apple pie eating motherfucker. My favorite line from Dolomite. <laughs> Alright. Animated movie, we have Frozen 2. Anything but Toy Story 4. How to Train Your Dragon, The Missing Link, Toy Story 4, and The Lion King. Yeah, let's give it to Frozen 2. How did the the live-action Lion King got nominated for Best Uh, Animated Movie? I'm going to go with Frozen 2. Yeah. Anything but Toy Story. I'm going to go with The Missing Link. (laughs) Best Actor in a Motion Picture, we have Christian Bale in Ford v. Ferrari, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, and Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. I I think it's a Joaquin Phoenix year. I'm going with Joaquin Phoenix, but it's very close. If Adam um, Driver wins, I will not be upset whatsoever. I'll go Driver. Um, I, mean, I think I'd go with Joaquin, although I really like Christian Bale and Ford v. Ferrari. In fact, Sandra didn't even know it was him. Everybody still has movies to see. Yeah. And what's the pain and glory thing? I don't I'm know. not even sure. But it's Antonio Banderas, so he, he can't be bad. Right? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah! <laughs> All right, best actress. <laughs> we have uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, Shorsha Ronan in Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. Yeah, this is, is this is one of those Oscar bait performances again that I can't stand. Zellweger. Yeah, she's gonna win. It's just you know, let me pick this famous person. I'm gonna do that. I'll win an Oscar. Fuck. Oh. It's like play, some, play somebody with a disability or play a famous Shorsha person Ronan. and you're going to win an Oscar. Well, what was the redhead from Willow, wasn't she? Shorsha. Yeah. <laughs> she, should be, she should do more stuff. <laughs> she should show, she show by the future. Yeah. Jo- Joanne Wally. Yeah, she should do more things. Oh, I liked her. Uh, <laughs> didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I liked her. <laughs> I, I liked her. Then, well, she, the, the, wasn't she married or uh, engaged to Val Kilmer? For yeah, she was year? married. Yeah. She was married, Joanne Wally Kilmer. Yeah. All right, best uh, actress in a musical or comedy. We have Aquafina for The Farewell. Anna de Armas for Knives Out. Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Beanie Feldstein for Booksmart. And Emma Thompson for Late Night. I don't know, I don't know any of these. Beanie Feldstein, I think, has a good chance. And also... Uh, it, this is Hollywood Foreign Press, so I wouldn't count on Aquafina, actually. No, I was about to say the same thing. Aquafina, which surprised me when I saw the trailer for this. I've been very vocal about how Aquafina gets on my nerves. But this trailer was a completely subdued... But, I but, seen but I've been proven like, wrong a couple of times. She was oh, good yeah. in Crazy Rich Asians. She was fine in Crazy Rich Asians, and then when she hosted Saturday Night Live, I thought she was very funny. I liked her in Ocean's 8, too. She's yeah. toned it down. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, best actor, musical or comedy. Wait a minute, we we are. Did we do? Yeah, we did this already. Because we talked about Eddie Murphy, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then best director, we have uh, Bong Joon-ho from Parasite, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it'll be a <laughs> Parasite guy or Sam Mendes. I could see that. Mm-hmm. So that's the Golden Globes. What about Best Picture? Did we do those? Yeah. Yeah, we did that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was those are the first ones we did. Gotcha. Now it is time to say goodbye to an actor here in the village. Um, I think this is more of an impact for probably Glenn and I than anyone else, but uh, Rene Aubergenois, who played Odo on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, he also played in some other things. Benson, he was uh, one of the characters on Benson. He played, of course, Ryan knows him as the priest from The Patriot. He threw a rifle to Heath Ledger as <laughs> he was getting shot. Um, he voiced the um, crazy chef in The Little Mermaid. Uh, he's an actor, I think, that like his work... I can tell you just from the subtlety of him playing that character on Deep Space Nine... He was part of, the, of what made that cast so memorable and something that we, you know, as Star Trek fans still talk about today. Uh, it's a character that was in a rubber face that he gave a lot of emotion and, and depth to. Uh, played as gruff, but had, had a lot of, of depth. And to come from being Clayton Wincott, or was it Clayton something the third, I forget the name, from Benson, this comedic role to something like this was, was kind of a big stretch. And I remember seeing him out of the makeup for the first one, I'm like, wait, he's from Benson. Yeah. And then he was also the villain in Police Academy 5. Yeah. That's true. Is that when they went to Miami? Miami Beach. That was a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. Proctor caught that frisbee and went away. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was uh? What did they uh, put on his chest? Dork. 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 That's right. Yep. But yeah, uh, I think it's, it's a really big loss for yeah. the, the I, sci-fi yeah, community. Absolutely. He this was. Is, he was good. Guy, I watched that documentary recently. You, you know, yeah. Yeah. Seeing those interviews with him, I, I, I you know. He's always been one of those characters that I wanted to meet at a Star Trek convention. And yeah, it was. Um, you're right. His performance as Odo. I mean, he was like, you know, the const, the good constable. But every now and again, you know, he would have like the little cracks where you yeah. could tell that he actually cared for the people and like his relationship with uh, with Nana. Well, that's another mm. thing too. Where that happening, like it did, it could have gone really wrong. Right. And I felt there was such a joy with those characters when they finally kind of got together right um that i kind of it was it it was was extremely memorable and extremely i I just it was it was full of joy for me and and especially on a show that had such range and ups and downs um it it was kind of a really big thing we also we can't go off the air without talking about big bird himself yeah the the puppeteer carol spinney who uh who was big bird and oscar the grouch on sesame street passed away as well and he's another one too, like the joy with his work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I thought when I was growing up, I, I thought Big Bird was a girl, but I, that's just me. But I mean, Carol Spinney just to, to have done this for so long and to be so connected to that and yeah. to care about children's education so much. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Loss. I know for... I, my friend Kevin was very upset about it. Yeah. Sesame Street's important to him. Sam, rest in peace to both. And now join the Great Link. Now it is time to nominate this week's awesome villagers, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? I'm going to nominate ScarJo because uh, she kind of blew me away in Marriage marriage Story. I mean, she's she's been good enough. I think she was very good in Jojo Rabbit, which that was – she's not getting a whole lot of buzz for that, but she was she plays the little boy's mother in that. And, uh, you know, everybody just knows her as though she's just Black Widow now. And well, Which she's really good. She's, she's good as Black Widow. But, no, I mean, I'm, this no, this performance in Marriage Story was just – Her performance as a voice in her 
Yeah, no. is another thing where that sells it. I mean, John's, I'll go back to I'll go back to Lost in Translation. John's yeah. not wrong. Like you got to see her performance in Marriage. Well, I, I'm I'm sold on this movie by you guys. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's it's pretty special. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna nominate. This is gonna be maybe out the box, but I'm gonna nominate Vanna White because um, if you watch Wheel of Fortune this week, you might notice something different. Vanna White's hosting the show. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Pat Sajak got sick. Pat Sajak collapsed in the middle of filming. He's fine, apparently, but he had some sort of intestinal blockage and which rushed Ooh. to the hospital. And he was in the hospital for quite a while, so while he's laid up, Vanna White's hosting the show. And I was watching it today, and it just, oh, it just made me smile, because she's been on the show since the beginning. Um, Who's doing the letters? This week, it's actually Minnie Mouse. Because it's like a they should have got like a logical choice. They should have got like a twenty-three-year-old like well, half-naked guy. I, honestly, when when they were like, I saw they were promoting online. That's right. <laughs> oh my god! If Hank Azaria was turning those letters, I like to solve the puzzle. Well, actually, I, I was I, when they first were. You know, me and Sandra were talking about who's going to do the letters. Pat Sajak has like, and Vanna White. They both have daughters in their twenties, so I thought it was going to be one of them. But this episode, I think they just had to kind of do something. All, on the spur of the moment since he went down. But she did really good uh, hosting the show and just, you know, seeing her kind of taking the reins for once. You know, she's usually just, you know, in the pretty dress, turning the letters and just touching the letters now. See, I remember, too, when growing up when you never heard her speak. Right. And then they started to kind of put the banter with her and Pat into the show until eventually you kind of, like, you know... I. I'm glad for this too. That, I, yeah. I didn't know that this was happening. That's, that's all. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it's. I know. We. I was watching it today. I'm but surprised I haven't like heard about read about this in Variety or Entertainment Weekly. I, I mean, a few weeks it. ago when it when it happened when he collapsed, you know, it came out and said that you know he's going to be fine. He's going to be laid up for a while, but that Vanna would be hosting the show, and I was like, that's kind of cool. And then when I saw it today, it just it brought a smile to my face. So I'm nominating Vanna White. Good for you hosting the hosting the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, I'm going to nominate Adam Driver. Um, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah, he's okay. I first took notice of him in uh, Girls on HBO. Um, of course, he's Kylo Ren. He was in a great romantic comedy with uh, Harry Potter. That uh, is a great performance. Yeah. But, um, man, I'm telling you, his performance in Marriage Story, like... His performance in Logan Lucky. Which I never actually saw. You should see oh, that. He was funny in that. I, uh... If I ever get the privilege to meet the man, I gotta have a discussion with him about the performance he gave in Marriage Story because uh, it 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 spoke to me in a way that uh, it was. Uh, you all right, man? It, it was it was it was intense. I'm not gonna lie. Like uh, I felt him in this movie. Like there's there's parts in this movie where I don't know how he did it because as far as I know, he's never been gone through this. But my God, he he really conveyed what it feels like i think performances like you're describing though too this is what how you you show people that actors aren't like it's not something anyone can do no like like reading something off a page is not the same as finding a depth of emotion and connecting with motivation for someone and being able to deliver it in such a way where you just are sold on it you mm -hmm. see we i mean we've heard so many different uh Commercials where there there there's people reading lines like some of our local commercials and I'm sure in other places the Go happens. Auto guy yeah I mean there, there's that like the, the Spencer Callahan catching footballs the, the, the Ramsey's Diamond Jewelers and uh, Ronnie Lamarck yeah I mean, there's, there's so many of them that, that go very very uh, what wait didn't he die no no, no. actually the, the gentleman that invented the hand grenade died recently oh that might be no, no. Ronnie Lamarck's still around yeah. 
<laughs> People it's have a, tried, but he's still, still that's he's still a remarkable fact. John sounded. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of the Ray Brandt guy. Ray, oh, yeah, Ray, Ray Brandt guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, um, I'm going to nominate Jason Momoa. Um, we talked about him earlier. I again from this performance as this kind of barbarian. And then to go to actually be Conan the Barbarian. Um, <laughs> that movie was terrible. Uh, I didn't again, see like, it. People, I, I don't think you really see the, the depth of, of who this guy is. Well, I don't blame Jason Momoa. It was just no, a bad no, movie. No, it was an awful movie. But, like, the, uh, you know, we, we've met him now, and he's kind of a sweetheart of a human being. Seems to love life and love wherever he's at. But this performance in C, I mean, I can't stress enough how there's, there's nuance here that I think, Ryan, would, would, you would very much appreciate. Um, just based on your, what you, you had said before, mm-hmm. it's an amazing show, and his performance is kind of one of the, the thing, one of the many things in this cast that that grounded. But I don't think you get the show as good as it is without him. And I like all the stories Amelia Clark tells about him, like being protective over. her. Well, whenever that, he goes to London, he makes sure that he sees her. When, he, when he was like yelling to people to get her a robe and mm-hmm. stuff like that when they're filming those sex scenes, and right before he melted that crown all over her brother. Crown for king. <laughs> pretty cool that was an awesome scene it was an awesome scene <laughs> that's pretty cool you remember, you remember <laughs> that, time? that when you were in Game of Thrones that was awesome <laughs> um, so gentlemen if you had to vote for someone other than your own who would it be Adam Driver hands down that's who I was going to pick and then Ryan stole him I would go um, with Scarlett Johansson if I had to pick um I think I'd go with Adam Driver I don't want to make it official I, I would go with Adam Driver as well I was I, Vanna White would have been a close second just because I don't know when we get the nominator again. I think <laughs> that's everything true. you're describing is awesome, but uh, everything I've seen Adam Driver in, like I, I, I'm blown away by this guy's performances. And he's a former Marine. That's one of my favorite videos of him. Was him like serving? He was like at a mess hall doing like a USO thing, and it was right when Phantom Menace, right, well, Phantom Menace, right before Force Awakens was coming out, and one of the Marines said. The stuff you're doing now, it's better than those prequels, right? And he kind of made this face, and he's like, what? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, and my favorite performance of his is Undercover Boss, Starkiller Base. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was awesome. So, Adam Driver, please come hang out with us so Ryan can hug you and tell you how you've changed his life. I love you, man. <laughs> and, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this guy. He seems, every interview I see him in, too, he enjoys the hell out of everything he does. I just hope it... You know, it will never happen. But if he shows up, I want you to rig something up where he's walking through a wall of water and flips a microphone upside down before he starts recording. We will definitely go Facebook Live. Yeah, because I, I, I may just collapse. <laughs> All right. So please remember to some high waisted pants on social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like us, subscribe to us, all that kind of stuff, and give us some feedback. Tell us what you think of the Golden Globes. Uh, leave your favorite memories about the people that we lost, and tell us if we made the right decision. Though I think you would agree with us on Awesome Villager. Uh, we will see you next week. This has been Greg. John. Glenn. Ryan. And we'll see you next... Oh, shit. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs>